I'm Janine. And I'm Scott. And, and we, we are Fired Up, Ready to Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to our first episode of Fired Up, Ready to Podcast. Here's why we're hoping that you will find our podcast useful. We know there are lots of people who, for whatever reason, lack of interest, lack of time, it's too upsetting, do not want to immerse themselves in all things political. We get it. And yet we need you. Our country needs you. Many people have said that the midterm elections of 2018 may be the most important election of our time. Uh, a, a wonderful contributor to MSNBC um, and CNN is a commentator named Malcolm Nance. He's recently written a book called The Plot to Destroy Democracy. And the man is not an alarmist, but he is alarmed. He says our country is in mortal peril and that we have got to treat this next election accordingly. He said we've got to get people out to vote like it's a presidential election, and he said we must be our own mobilization machines. So that's what Scott and I want to do. We want to be our own mobilization machines. And what we're hoping is that if we could just get people like you um, a short easy way to get a little more information so you can be just a little bit more of an engaged citizen, uh, then we'll have met our goal. So to that end, we're aiming for a 15-minute weekly podcast, and here's what we aim to cover. Digestible summaries of the weekly news and these topics, domestic Trump troubles, Trump troubles around the globe, what the hell is happening with the Russia investigation anyway? Uh, then we want to give you an easy action item of the week. We may be doing some Trump BS busting. And also an inspiring quote or two of the week. We aim to use reputable sources that deal with facts, not opinions. Although we will certainly be offering our two cents. Um, but that will be after uh, we ex explain some well-sourced facts to you. Um, also, we want to take a moment here to maybe do a little tamping down of expectations. Yeah, tamp down. Right, because frankly, we really don't know what the hell we're doing. Nope. We are not audio technicians. Not that. Uh, we'll do our best, but we're going to ask for your patience. Uh, number two, we're not journalists, so nope. we may not be perfect here. So, who are we and why should you care? Probably like you, we were devastated by the 2016 election. I was personally so depressed that I withdrew from social media, as I know a lot of other people did as well. But Janine and I found salvation at the Women's March on the day after the inauguration right down in Washington, D.C., where we were so completely overwhelmed by the solidarity we felt um, we met people from out of state who were there with all their passion, and we just knew right away that we wanted to maintain the gratification that we derived from our activism that day. So soon after that event, when we were still feeling the feels, 
Uh, Janine stumbled on a video about an encounter that President Obama had, and I'm going to ask her to describe that right now. So uh, we were sitting around our dining room table, uh, and I happened upon this little video, and it was explaining the origins of the phrase, fired up, ready to go. And what uh, Obama told the story of having gone to a uh, town in North Carolina, I think it was, and it was raining, and it was a hard day to get out and be, you know, getting his message out, and he really wasn't feeling a lot of energy. But when he walked into the room, he heard this woman in the back of the room go, fired up! And I guess the rest of the people in the room went, ready to go! And I guess she kept saying it, and he said the impact that that had, he suddenly felt energized, he felt inspired, and it just proved to him what the energy of one person, how the energy of one person could change the whole dynamic in a room. And that's really what spoke to him. And when we heard that, I said, you know, well, we could be fired up, ready to go too. And how do we do that? Um, because we, because who were we? We were just a couple of, you know, middle-aged folk who were not that politically engaged, knew that we wanted to do something, anything to keep up that momentum. But we also wanted to make sure that it was fun and engaging. We were not the kind of people who, uh, get juiced up about the idea of going to a library or a government center where some other people are telling us what we need to do, where we need to go to Canvas. We're not, we're not the best followers. Uh, but we also don't want to be really telling other people what to do um, because we're not really sure what to do. But we know that we want to support our friends in whatever ro uh, role of activism they choose to take on. So we decided that we would host a monthly gathering, and we called it Fired Up, Ready to Potluck, with an emphasis on good food, a festive drink, some sort of game, and some sort of action. We've made posters for marches, gone to marches, written postcards to get out the vote, gone canvassing for candidates, and had candidates attend our potlucks. I had a friend call me who knows I listen to many an hour of politics, and she said she was off to a family reunion where there would be Trump supporters. And could I help her by giving her the facts about the zero-tolerance policy? so she could answer what she knew were the lies about how it was the same thing Obama had done. And that, plus a couple other episodes, made us realize that we needed to up our game. It was no longer enough for us to have our monthly potluck dinners. We needed to reach these people who we knew were not as plugged in as we were, but were looking for a little bit of help. Hence, fired up, ready to podcast. And here we go. And now, domestic Trump troubles. So these are some domestic stories. I'm sure we will be getting more into next week, but just a heads up about them for today. So the hideous, unscrupulous, ethically bankrupt head of the EPA, Scott Pruitt, has finally resigned. Some of his more outrageous scandals included installing a $43,000 soundproof phone booth in his office and having his staff search for a six-figure job for his wife. The bad news here is that his likely replacement is a man named Andrew Wheeler, 
who spent a decade lobbying for just the sorts of companies like energy and mining that the EPA agency is supposed to be regulating. And before that, he worked for a senator from Oklahoma who rejects the very notion of climate change. Um, And so our other story is, as you may know, Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy will be stepping down. And now, a bit of moralizing and lecturing. This is why every election counts. And you never again should think you have the luxury to not vote or to support a third-party candidate in a state where it matters because you didn't really like Hillary or you thought she was as bad as Trump. No, she wasn't. Hillary never would have separated families. And if in some bizarro world she had, she never would have had no way to reunite them. And Hillary would have been picking Supreme Court justices to protect some of our most important rights, like Roe v. Wade, same-sex marriage, and voter rights, to name a few. Now we're at the mercy of Trump. And we have Trump picking. And just like the reality TV star he is, he's promoting that his pick will be revealed Monday night at 9. I wonder if he will hand the conservative white man a rose as he reads his name, just like on The Bachelor. Anyway, more on this next week. This next story is another in a very long line of stories about how Trump can treat immigrants badly. The United States Citizenship and Immigration Services is creating a new task force to examine what they say are bad naturalization cases. They are expected to hire dozens of lawyers and immigration officers in the coming weeks to find U.S. citizens they say should not have been naturalized, to revoke their citizenship, and then eventually deport them. This did happen one other time, uh, actually, in our history, and that was in the McCarthy era. Oh, great. Not exactly a proud time in our history. Not the parallel you want to draw. Exactly. So, these folks will be looking for people who deliberately lied on their application. And what does that mean? Well, uh, Masha Gessen, who writes in The New Yorker, said, This could go horribly wrong. A question on the green card application asks, have you ever committed a crime of any kind? The question does not specify if it refers to a crime under current U.S. law or the laws of the country in which the crime might have been committed. When she grew up in the Soviet Union, it was illegal to possess foreign currency or to spend the night anywhere you were not registered to live. Also, in more than 70 countries, same-sex sexual activity is still illegal. So one can imagine where this could all go very horribly wrong and, and give Trump all kinds of license to start getting rid of people as, as this task force sees fit. So you spend the night at your friend's house and you're not registered to live there and you lie about it. And boy, it sounds like 
one of the many oversights that uh, his own kids, uh, or at least son-in-law, uh, committed when filling out his own vetting forms to wind up with the national security clearance. Right, exactly. That wasn't enough for, for Trump's kids, but uh, spending the night at somebody's house, I guess, when you were in, under the Soviet Union uh, regime could get you now um, booted out. Booted out. Thanks, Trump. Immigrant child and parent reunification is back in the news. Here's what you need to know. First, a quick recap. The U.S. has a history of detaining unaccompanied minors who cross our borders illegally. Trump was the first president to enforce a clause of existing policy that resulted in accompanied minors being separated from their parents and detained. Even this applied only to illegal crossings. But under Trump, border patrols were preventing immigrants from crossing at designated welcome centers where they could immediately apply for asylum. So the policy has been to make criminals out of asylum seekers and then take away the, these, those individuals' children. This policy was expressed by the Attorney General Jeff Sessions to be a deterrent to, my, to immigrants. These children, some only months old, are being kept in fenced-in spaces, many justifiably call them cages, as well as tent cities that closely resemble camps used to detain Jews during World War II. Within these detention centers, caregivers have been trained to withhold physical contact with even the youngest toddlers. No comfort provided. After a period of detention, these children have been shipped to all corners of the country. Meanwhile, their parents, too, have been shipped to all corners after periods of detention by a different agency, and in some cases have already been deported. The interagency communication has been woefully lacking, and there has simply been no plan for reunification. After weeks of protest over the policy and these conditions, the Trump administration has caved and rescinded the zero-tolerance policy. They are now under court order to reunify the families, but as recently as this past weekend have been requesting extensions because they don't know what the hell they're doing. When you drop off your dry cleaning, they give you a ticket so you can pick up your clothes. The Trump administration has shown less care to children than to dry cleaning. This will go down in history as, I hope, the most horrible stain on this administration, as I can't imagine what could possibly be worse than the act and subsequent trauma of parents and children being forcefully separated, with many fearing that some will never be reunited again. What horror. And Janine, who is a mental health professional, will be discussing the po potential impact of this trauma in a future episode. And this... This particular story does happen to lead directly into one of the other features of our podcast. All right, so this is our segment that we are calling Tweet of the Week. We figure that we hear way too many tweets from someone we don't want to be hearing from. So how about hearing from someone that we'd actually like to hear from? So the Tweet of the Week this week goes to Elizabeth Warren, who we will be featuring on a future episode in our segment, We've Got All the Best People. But anyway, this week at a rally, Trump said something completely offensive about how he was going to give her a DNA test to prove her heritage. But he would give it to her carefully, as we are in the Me Too generation. It, it, it's, it's so offensive, this man. 
I guess poor Donald is worried about yet another woman bringing yet another lawsuit against him. But Elizabeth replies, Hey, Donald Trump, while you obsess over my genes, your administration is conducting DNA, DNA tests on little kids because you ripped them from their mamas and you are too incompetent to reunite them in time to meet a court order. Maybe you should focus on fixing the lives you're destroying. You go, Elizabeth. Yeah. President Trump leaves this week for Europe for a series of meetings with our NATO allies and will follow that with a one-on-one -on -one summit with President Vladimir Putin of Russia. The last time Trump had Russian officials over to his house, I mean our house, the White House, he revealed highly classified information to their foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, and their ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. You may or may not recall that we learned about that, courtesy of the Russian press, as the U.S. press was not invited. And we're to expect the same for this meeting. You can therefore imagine our allies' concern that secrets will be revealed, you know, like with Hillary's emails, except for real this time. Their worry isn't limited, though, to what Trump might tell Putin, but that the whole NATO alliance may not survive. <clears throat> as Michael Birnbaum writes in the Washington Post, the heartburn comes ahead of a possible two-headed diplomatic assault from Trump this week. First, he jets to a summit of NATO leaders where he's expected to continue to complain that Europeans are slacking on defense spending. Days later, he'll sit down with Putin. European leaders worried that Trump could bargain away their security in the name of better relations with the Kremlin. He goes on to report that, quote, NATO diplomats are making dark jokes about whether Trump and Putin could unveil a globe-shifting alliance of the sort that led to World War I, unquote. So let that sink in, and let's move on. Our next story is called The GOP in Russia. The Republican-only congressional delegation that traveled to Russia over July 4th, yes, that July 4th, our day to celebrate our independence, the Republicans went without open media access, which gave Russian state media the chance to celebrate the fact that the trip was the first time since the annexation of Crimea that U.S. lawmakers visited Moscow. They'd bragged that the Americans had come all the way to Moscow to meet with them while they offered few concessions. Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama said that while Russia and the U.S. are competitors, quote, we don't necessarily need to be adversaries, unquote. Uh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. They attacked us. They did. <sighs> he went on to say, quote, I'm not here today to accuse Russia of this or that or so forth, unquote. Well, why not, Senator? They attacked us and messed with our election. The congressional members claimed they addressed the issue of Russia's election meddling and delivered strong warnings. But Russian officials tell a different story and said of the meeting, the meeting was one of the easiest ones in my life, said one official. The question of Russia's election interference was resolved quickly because it was, quote, raised in general form. One shouldn't interfere in elections. Well, we don't interfere, he said. It was also said that the U.S. lawmakers did not raise the topic of Crimea during their meetings, which is a stunning break from longstanding U.S. policy and echoes Trump's precedent, 
thus indicating that they are open to recognizing Russia's annexation of Crimea. And now, for what the hell is going on with the Russia investigation anyway? So for this segment, we will be relying almost solely on what we think is the best source for all things regarding the Russia investigation, a website called investigaterussia.org. This is a nonprofit, nonpartisan resource provided to help Americans recognize and understand the gravity of Russia's continuing attacks on our democracy. The advising board has people such as James Clapper, former director of national intelligence, General Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA and the National Security Agency, Jay Johnson, former U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security, Leon Panetta, former Secretary of Defense and former director of the CIA and former White House Chief of Staff, and Clint Watts, Foreign Policy Research Institute Fellow and former FBI agent. The information here is put together by former CNN reporter Jackie Schechner. Um, It's a great site if you want to dig deeper or get updates, or we can just pass along some of the information for you. So the headline here is Putin's Fine. Well, I'm sure we will all be happy to hear that at a campaign rally in Montana on Thursday, our president reassured us that there's, quote, no collusion, no collusion. And the House just left and said, no collusion. It's all a ruse. It's an excuse for Democrats who got their ass kicked, unquote. He then went on to make fun of national security concerns regarding his July 16th summit with Putin. Quote, you know President Putin is KGB this and that. You know what? Putin's fine. He's fine. We're all fine. We're people, unquote. Well, sorry, Trump, but the bipartisan Senate committee disagrees with you. They said Russia meddled in our election and an attack on our country is the very definition of a leader being not fine. To say nothing of his human rights violations, which we will get to on another day. All right, everybody, the action item for the week is a great tool called ResistBot. All you need to do is text the word RESIST to 50409, and you can text your members of Congress or the White House or your governor, and ResistBot will handle the opening and closing and turn your text into a fax that they send after figuring out who your representatives are. I think all they do is have you put in your zip code, and then it'll say, this is your governor, these are your representatives, and you'll have a chance to confirm that. Right. So this is perfect when you don't have time or you have a phone phobia and don't like calling. Uh, It can literally be your way of taking action in under two minutes. So please try it and let us know what you think. Once again, all you do is type in the word resist, to 50409. 
Good luck. Our first inspirational quote of the week is from our beloved President Barack Obama, who said, Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Thank you, President Obama. Our second quote is courtesy of James Madison. Knowledge will forever govern ignorance, and a people who mean to be their own governors must arm themselves with the power which knowledge gives. Thanks, Jim. 